Hey, Gray Story listener. We care about you in the Gray Story community. So before we get started, we wanted to let you know in this episode, we do talk about child abuse, sexual assault, and the trauma that surrounds some of those childhood events. Uh, so we want to let you know that just before we get started, so you're aware. Welcome to Gray Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Gray Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode, another one where we're going back to stories, stories of grace, stories of healing, stories of reconciliation. Um, a lot of it, you know, we concentrate not just on the, the things that happen to individuals, but the things uh, that they were able to learn along the way, the items where they were able to, uh, you know, put tools in their tool belt uh, for later on down the road and what happened to them on their journey of restoration as well. Uh, so our guest today is Sherry Rickenbach, and we are thrilled to have her. She was one that was at conference this last uh, year in 2021. Uh, but before I pull her into the show, I wanted to tell you a little bit about her. Sherry is an authentic voice for the sexually abused. Her spirit immediately connects with those who have been silenced, marginalized, and shamed by society. Her kind, compassionate heart continues to connect with hundreds of listeners wherever she has shared her story. She is a voice for the millions of sex slaves around the world who have no voice. Sherry is an author, speaker, advocate, and a certified unhackable coach, and she is also working toward her professional Christian coach certification with the International Coach Federation. Sherry's passion and greatest joy is to help women and young girls see that they can create beauty from the ashes of sexual abuse by co-creating with God while he transforms and realigns them to be exactly who he created them to be. Sherry and her husband, Lee, have been involved in Christian education ministry for over 40 years. They are stepping into a new season of ministry as uh, she advocates against human trafficking. She and her husband are blessed with four adult children and six grandchildren. And Sherry is now with us here on Grace Story Podcast. Uh, Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nate. This is a great privilege. I don't take this lightly. Well, and it is a it is a heavy topic that we're about to talk about. But I know you were with us at uh, Grace Story Conference 2021. Uh, you were there sharing your book and uh, sharing in the conference itself uh, with uh, those that were there. Um, what what was that like for you just to be there and soak it all up? Oh, that was an amazing experience. I'm really thankful that I invested in myself. By going and doing this, um, by attending, and also my husband was right there by my side. We've been in this journey together, and my story it would not be complete without him. So I can't leave him behind because he was out there at that table selling my books, and we did sell quite a few, and uh, just connecting with people, and that was great. And I'm very thankful that we got to have that privilege. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, I know he was over there in the vendor section and you would slip over to the the sessions. Uh, it is a women's conference. Uh, my favorite women's conference I go to every year, of course. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, he was man in that booth like a champ. Um, so there's all sorts of things there. I love that uh, that self-care vendor market um, that we have. Now, you mentioned your story there, your book. Your book is called Echoing Silence 
from the child within. Um, and with that, your story is is woven through uh, parts of it anyways. Um, but we wanted to give you an opportunity here at the beginning to kind of share from your point of view the important parts uh, of your story as much as you want to share. Um, what is what is Sherry's story? Oh my. My story is uh, still in it's still being a story made. <laughs> the journey out of abuse never ends. We get to create and recreate our own stories. You know, the things that happened to us in the past, um, we would love to rip out certain pages of our life and just say, I never want to look at that again. But it's there in our memories. We can't get rid of it. But the beauty, the real beauty that comes out of such horrific experiences is the fact that God does recreate us. He takes the ashes of our lives and he recreates. So this journey, as you will see when you read my book, um, I didn't put in any gory details. It's not necessary. Because those parts of our story, that's not, wouldn't be your story. And why put something in that just puts another thought of something in another person's mind? I wanted to focus on the devastation that occurs. And as I sat down to read, write that book, it's like, I have no idea. What in the world am I going to say? Um, I don't want to hurt somebody. I forgive my perpetrators. I forgive those who maybe inadvertently hurt me, didn't even know what they were doing, and yet it caused great rage. It caused confusion. It caused something in me that I loved Jesus, but I hated God, and I couldn't understand why. If God loved me, and if God is love, then why in the world would he allow something to happen to a child where there's no control? You can't do a single thing to help yourself. And now I'm faced with all this destruction because my means of survival was actually disassociation. So now I've really labeled myself. What do we do? We don't want to do that. We don't want to say, hey, there's something really wrong with me. I really busted up inside. Uh, no, just look at me and look and say, oh, wow, what a wonderful person she is. No, I've taken off all my masks. I don't wear masks anymore, Nate. I wore other people's masks all my life. Um, that shame and rage and guilt and pain that was in other people projected on a child who had no means of defending herself except to silence myself. Go silent. That was my means of survival, was somehow silencing that pain within. But pain is going to speak out of every cell in your body. It will come out in one way or another. We can't hold down our grief. We can't hold down our loss. And sexual abuse in childhood destroys something that was special and precious. Something that we can never, ever regain. My rage was, somebody stole my virtue. 
as a child. I didn't have that gift to give to my husband. Oh, I was so angry at God that he would allow this to happen. But when I stepped into the healing journey and took control of my own healing and said, that was my story, <laughs> but it's not the end of my story. <laughs> this is where grace steps in. And this is where grace just holds us. And it's, it's that place that God himself opens his heart and draws us in. And I didn't know that as he drew me in, I didn't understand the darkness that enveloped me. I thought it was like this depression. I thought it was something else. But it's like I was reading Oswald Chambers, and that's when he said when he wants to show us something, when he wants to show us the fellowship of his sufferings, he will draw us into himself. And we're so close to his heart that it's all dark and we don't even see any light. But I was held, held for years and years and years until finally I could get to that place where I said, okay, I can do this hard thing. I can start co-creating with God while he recreates me and he realigns me in his creative design to be the person he created me to be. No perpetrator can ever take away who God created us to be because he created us a soul made in his image. And therefore, nothing done to us can ever remove who God created us to be. And is it right that we have to redo all that hard work? I don't know. That's a question I still haven't been able to answer. <laughs> Sometimes I think, oh, is this the source of where my rage was? Now I have to clean up somebody else's mess that they wouldn't clean up. This is what generational abuse is. Nobody wants to take responsibility. But I suddenly realized, hey, if I take responsibility for me, if I own the rage that I have within me, don't project my rage on others and have them act it out, and they in turn project it on somebody else, that's the nitty-gritty of generational abuse. So this is what I did. I said, I will take responsibility for me. I get to stop generational abuse with me. This could be five or six generations. I have no idea. Inadvertently, because of my pain, before I could get to this place, I, I know I projected pain onto my kids. And now I have to give them that space of grace. This is pain that is raw. This is pain that you say, God, I have no idea how to fix anything. And he says, Hold space. Hold the space of grace. I think that's what spoke to me so much when I heard Grace's story. Oh, wow. Isn't this the story of us all, Nate? We have to hold space, the space of grace, for every person who comes into our life that says, this is beyond me. 
it's a broken mess. I have no idea how to fix this. When we get to that place of saying, it's beyond me, that is where God steps in. So my story, oh my, <laughs> my story hasn't finished up yet. So I don't know what the end of it is. I just know that grace is there at every moment. Every time God shows us another hunk of pain and something we've got to work through, his grace is right there. As I say in my book, it was someplace. It's like I felt like I was being, um, parts of me was being cleaned out in chunks and pieces. And it's like, God, are you ever going to get to the end of this? And there is a place. We heal on deep, deep levels. But he will take us to the spot way back when, whenever it was, he will take us to that spot that needs the most attention. And only the Holy Spirit can take us there. Counselors are wonderful. Mentors are wonderful. And they can only take us so far. And then the Holy Spirit says, my turn. And we have to say, okay, Lord, here I am. That probably resonates with some. Because when you think about it with that, I mean, you you talk about grace in your story. It's, it's easy to think about grace uh, it's easier rather to think about grace in the parts of the healing uh, or now as you're you're helping others from your point of pain. Um, but I think it's harder to think about grace showing up when the when the damage itself is occurring. You mentioned in your book a phrase, a different perspective of soul damage happening to you. Um, what, where, what age were you when this all started? And and. What, what would that look like for Sherry prior to all these masks and all the, the turmoil? Uh, what were you like before this happened? Oh, I was a vivacious, bouncing ball of energy. I loved to sing. I was energy nonstop from morning to night. I was curious. I was adventuresome. I wanted to find out everything. I was three. The picture on the front of my book, that is the beginning of a journey. Three. But <laughs> that person who I really was, she never died. Somehow I could always find hope. Somehow I could always find the lighter side. Somehow I could always, God gave me a gift of tenacity of never, ever giving up. And that rage that began to grow as a little tiny child, injustices, things beyond my control, and nobody, nobody to step in and help. That was my survival. That's where grace steps in. And at one point, Nate, I saw Jesus holding me. That little girl who had to separate herself from her body in order to survive. Jesus was holding her. And he was crying. And I saw him give 
be to God. And God is crying. That's how this affects the God who created us. And my story is the same story of other people who have experienced the same thing. I can't tell you how many people who have said almost the exact same words, but in a different way, in a different story, because their stories are different. But we've all known that the one who created us was there in that horrible black moment. It doesn't make any difference if it was one time or if it was hundreds of times. He was there and he's never left us. So the great question is, but why? Why? If you're God, why? I don't know why. But my whys are resting in recreating the broken. Because in that, in that surrendering, we are stepping into a space of grace that is completely unexplainable. And we want God to fix it immediately because, you know, saved, instantaneous. The work is done, right? Emotional healing, what happens? Everything has to be remade. Just take a piece of crystal of some sort, some fragile piece of glass, and stand up high on a chair or a ladder and drop it on a floor, concrete floor. It's shattered into a million pieces if it's big enough. And some of those pieces are pulverized. And if this abuse continues, those pieces continue to be pulverized. That internal earthquake never stops. It's deep in the mind, and it takes us a long time to get the mind back where it belongs. I can never put that together. God, how come I have to do this? I didn't choose this path. I did not choose this to be my story. Sometimes here I am at 68 years old, almost in June, I'll be 68. And I think, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have known any of this kind of pain. Who would I really be? But then I think, but who would I be if I hadn't had all this pain? Who would, I mean, if I hadn't had this pain, well then, how would I know how to listen to somebody else in the depths of agony of soul, mind, body, spirit? Could I really sit with him? Could I know the fellowship of his sufferings? I say, you know, I read the verses and uh, to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Several years ago, when I started my, my healing journey, Nate, I wrote a song that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? Do I really know what I'm saying? Is this really what I want? To know the fellowship of his sufferings? Oh, he has taken me on a deep, dark path, a valley that I thought was absolutely never, ever, ever going to end. And I thought, well, why did I write that song? Did I really, did that really come from the depths of my inner most being? Yeah, it did. And it is to know the fellowship of his sufferings and to know the depth of grace that brings us back together and to know that his grace 
is so abundant for every one of our needs, no matter what it is, because we all have traumas. There's not a single person on this planet that hasn't had a trauma of some sort. I mean, you could be a child and go to kindergarten for the first time and you're terrified. You don't even know where the bathroom is and you're scared to death, ask permission and you have an accident right there in front of all your classmates. <laughs> That's trauma. That lodged somewhere in the body. So when we have these kind of traumas, what part of the cell does it go into? Which cell did that lodge in? Which, which organ of the body did it lodge in? Oh, the body does keep, keep the score. Because then if we don't deal with this stuff, how many people now who are um, doctors and they have studied the effects of trauma, it's going to manifest somewhere as some kind of disease, especially as we get past 40 and 50 and in our 60 and 70s. Yeah, it's going to come out somewhere, whether it's high blood pressure, whatever, you name it. But I tell you what, when we start dealing with this stuff and go back to sit with that child that we lost and grieve with her <laughs> and love her, cry with her, and let her know, hey, nobody sat with you, but I'm here now, hon. I'm the adult woman, and I get to go back. That's what I saw. I get to go back and comfort that child that nobody else comforted. And my healing journey went on a beautiful tangent. Well, I want to I wanna talk about that for a moment because you mentioned being, so we're talking about the age of three when things may have started, uh, when things did start, um, that what you called a different perspective of soul damage for a kiddo. Um, and you said there was no one to sit with you. And this may be a loaded question, but uh, where are our family? Where are our friends? What does that look like for Sherry at that time? It's all dark. It's totally black. There are some places in my, my childhood spaces, I have no memories. It's nothing but black. Yeah, are, these, are these perpetrators, uh, are they people you, you know? Or are they someone that came in and out of your life? They are people I know. So there's someone that's reoccurring in your life then? Oh, reoccurring, yes. Not real frequently, but reoccurring, yes. So how do you, I, I can't even imagine as a three-year-old, but how, how do you as uh, uh, whatever ages you're going through, how do you deal with seeing your perpetrators? Was, first of all, was justice ever served for you? Um, and then if or if not, how, how do you deal with seeing people going through life where others are maybe building those people up or saying how great they are or, you know, loving on them um, or showing respect to them in front of you. And you know that deep down this is, they have a dirty, dark, depraved uh, secret that has never seen the light of day. How do you deal with that? Bury it. I mean, bury it so deep you cannot see it. Because if you don't bury it, the mind, the mind cannot, as a little child, the mind cannot hold the horrors. There ha you have to disassociate. There is no other way of survival. When I talk about the good girl, the good enough girl, <laughs> the control girl, the invisible girl, the silent girl, 
That's on page 19 and 20. When you get my book, you can read there. It's like, wow. And I can see myself floating back and forth between all those girls all through life because it was probably, I call it an addiction. There was no other way to survive. It was my means of survival. I just didn't know that there was a different way to live. There was nobody who came alongside and helped me at those moments. I honestly don't know how. I did speak with one um, professional person who told me, he said, um, I told him my story in a nutshell because I was told by someone that um, this was false memory syndrome and I had better quit lying. <laughs> and he said, um, well, there were some threats along with that, which I won't go into detail. But he says, oh, well, it sounds like the person who's talking to you probably has a difficulty themselves. And um, I said, you have worked with so many people. I said, this is my story in a nutshell. Do you think that this is false memory syndrome? And he says, um, I've worked with many. He says, no. He said, on the contrary, he says, Sherry, you're supposed, he said, you were supposed to be a prostitute. And he said, no, I don't know how you survived. And he said, I, the fact that you did not commit suicide somewhere along the line is an incredible, he said, you're a miracle. And then he looks at Lee and he says, and you're one awesome husband. For you to go through all the emotional upheaval that she had to go through to get to this place of healing. And I wasn't even to this place in life of my healing at that time. And um, he said, this is incredible that uh, we've stayed together almost 47 years. He stuck, he, he stuck it out with me because he said most guys cannot. They simply cannot handle the emotional upheaval a woman has to go through because we don't get to, we're not like guys, Nate. We don't get to put our stuff in little boxes and shut the lid and say, okay, can't see that. Okay, move on in life. What's next? No way. A woman is so beautifully, intricately intertwined. Her emotions, her physical, her mental, her spiritual, everything were all intertwined in such a beautiful ball of intrigue that no man can figure us out. Because he yanks on one little thing that yanks over here inside and he's like, what do I do anyway? What has happened to you? So see, that's what happened with my husband. The thing that my husband didn't understand was he didn't know about this secret for 19 years of marriage. How's he going to figure out this broken woman? He would do some little thing that would trigger me that had absolutely no context with the reaction that occurred. He could not figure me out and I couldn't figure me out either until I said to myself, shall I stay in this victim bed? of blame, excuses, and denial of what's happened to me? Or shall I become a victor and pick up my or, which is I will take ownership for who I am as a person at this point in life. I will be accountable. And I will be responsible for all my own actions. Oh, that was like a light bulb. <laughs> like this explosion of light within me that said, 
Oh, you mean I get to be a victor? I don't have to be a victim. And then my process really started. I'm thinking as you're talking there, because you alluded to it, it wasn't just one event. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. And, you know, three years old. And, and hey, I, I'm just processing what happened at three. How long did this go on in your life? Uh, and cause you'd mentioned the individual said you were, you were being, uh, you should have been a prostitute, which is very strong language. Um, how long did this go on in your life? Until I was nine. And by that time, virtue had been stolen. So with this ages, so that's six, six years. Yeah. Um, and, and enough where you can form, you're able to form memories during that time. Although you've mentioned some of that is blacked out. Were you, were you ever able to find closure uh, with in any way on this, or or justice served with a perpetrator, or no justice, anything like that? Not one of those people came forward. Not one. But the beautiful thing is, Nate, God knows how to take us through this process. Because one morning He woke me up in the middle of the night. And I saw a building, but you know how the uh, old um, picture for, pictures were that would take a, like a double exposure? It's like half that picture was blacked out. And I was absolutely terrified. I said, Lord, I have no idea what is inside that building, but if you want to show me something, I know you'll be with me. And instantly I saw the inside. I thought I was going to die because this is the whole thing. We do not connect with our emotions in this. We have to disassociate from our emotions. We cannot allow any emotion as we're going through that. Because if we connect to our emotions, we're going to die. That's what I loved about Dr. Caroline Leaf. It, she says, I think, I feel, I choose. I could think about stuff. I could choose to try to change everything and bring us all back together. Make myself the best person. Oh, Nate, I was the best good girl you ever saw. I was the ultimate good girl. But I couldn't feel. This is how bad the feeling was. How disconnected. I had from my nose... Nothing from my nose to my knees. I couldn't feel. I had no body. That's pretty bad. I have body. I'm connected body, soul, and mind. By the grace of God. And when these things happen, and those perpetrators, uh, you know, it's like, they don't even know what they're doing, evidently. But that child then is left to put the pieces together and live normal as if everything is fine and dandy. And the only way to do that is you put on one mask after another. You live out what you're told to live out. You cannot be the person who God created you to be, and yet you're still there, buried deep inside. And God slowly begins to take off one mask after another and when my husband saw when I told him what was inside that building I said honey I gotta go back to that spot 
<laughs> he said, okay, we're going to take a long trip this summer. And we did. And Nate, the old outhouse that I used to try to hide in, was there. <laughs> there was another old building. Some of it, another building had been torn down. It wasn't there anymore. And this one building was still there. I stepped to the doorway. I described this part in my book about the long trip. I forget what chapter it's in. There was a grinder that they said they were going to push my head into if I made any noises. On the wall was still the row of jars that held screws. And there were still some screws in there. I focused on one screw. That's why the screw kept coming to my mind every now and then all through my life. And I'd be terrified. A screw? Why am I scared? What in the world's going on? I'm going crazy. No, it's in our body. It's there somewhere. There's something that is in deep in the mind, deep in our psychic. I don't even know. How, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know. Uh, this is just what it came out of me, and this is how I've explained it. I haven't done anything scientifically. This is just God putting me together. He let me see screws. <laughs> like, screws. Hmm. Well, there on the wall are screws. Oh, yeah. I remember. Here's the same table. I remember. I remember the dirt floor. I remember the oil smell. Yeah, all the smells, all the things. Here's these walls. It's like, oh, my. And then I look up in the rafters, and believe it or not, here is the same bed frame that I described to my husband. Truth and truth and fact and fact. Is this false memory syndrome? <laughs> I don't think so. No, this is the God we serve. God records everything. He does not leave out any detail. So those perpetrators can say, oh, I don't remember anything. She's making up a big story. And because they are in the church, they are holy and blah 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 nobody asks any questions and they look at this little kid and say oh what a little liar you are where'd you get this information well shouldn't that say to somebody um how does she know she's pretty small how does she know where is this coming from and no questions asked what frozen state are people in where they cannot help a child? It says there's deep problems. And that's why when I hear preachers who will, from the pulpit, speak out against all this immorality in the church that's going on today, my heart says, oh my, I love you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. That gives me courage to step into this. Oh, my, this is a scary place, Nate. Here I'm talking my heart out to people I don't even know. I have no idea who's going to hear my story. I have no idea the repercussions. But you know what? I've decided I will tell the truth. Because there's thousands of us out there that this has happened to and we have been silenced and pushed aside and we have not lived life to our fullest because we didn't think we could 
I was paid one penny for my services, and then that was taken away, and I was severely punished for lying. And so all of life has gone through that filter, Nate. I'm worthless. I can never be good enough. But those mindset changes that occur, yay. Hold on. I, d I don't want to pass that because that, that seemingly small detail you just mentioned is is a huge one. Um, you said you were offered a, you were given a penny for your, and I'll add the word forced services. Right. As if that, and I think you mentioned this in your book, as if that is what brings you value now. You, this is your way of performing to be valuable, to be valued. And you're worth a penny, I guess. Um, and then even that can be taken away. I mean, that, that. I don't want to glaze over that or, or move past No, that, we but. can't glaze over it because this is this is the depth of depravity of what is happening in our world today with human trafficking. When a child's body can be sold over and over and over and over until they expire and they are tossed out, who cares? And they can just go buy another one. Children down in Guatemala were being sold for $20,000 a piece. And the people who are doing the worst of this is right here in the United States of America. When are we going to stop pornography? When are we going to say we as a nation have a huge, huge problem? Where's the men? Hey, guys. But there are women who are addicted as well. It's time that we really lift up our voices and we start saying, hey, you know what? Every church across this nation should have a special group for men who are addicted because every addiction can be taken care of by renewing our minds in Christ. Dr. Caroline Leaf said that. I didn't. I was like, what? You mean I don't have any excuses, Caroline? Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, you... You haven't always, you mentioned always, you, you have a voice now that you're using. Uh, you're using that to help uh, as much as you can with child trafficking and then also with, you know, coaching others. Right. Um, but you mentioned that you haven't always had a voice. Uh, some of that comes from the pain. I know in your book you wrote, pain, shadows of the soul that suck her down to icy frozen depths, relentless agony that slowly freezes her voice and silences her cry for help. The silent cry that shatters apart the already broken child. The cry that fragments who she was into so many parts that she does not know who she is. That plays into identity. That plays into, you know, your your value of God. We've talked about so much here as, as you've poured out, you know, some of your story, your experiences. But I know there's people out there because we're, we are running out of time here, but... I want to give you an opportunity reading that passage from your book and understanding that there are those that have already connected to your book, those that will mm -hmm. sadly, those that understand your story of, of years of agony, uh, years of being broken, uh, years of understanding what it's like to be trafficked mm -hmm. as a child. Um, uh, and there's those that may be going through that right now at a different age where they can actually hear your voice. Mm -hmm. So giving you that voice um, and taking that voice back for you, uh, what would you say to someone here at the end of this episode who may be going through that 
or may have gone through what you've gone through, uh, what would your message be to that person from Sherry? Oh, find somebody who is safe and tell your story because your story matters. Your story matters because it is your story. It is the truth. And I believe you. Just make sure it's a safe person. Because every time you open up and tell your story, that is where restoration is reinforced. It's like reconnecting with that child or younger woman. I mean, sometimes things happen even as we get into our 30s, 40s. I mean, this is a wicked world we live in. Any kind of sexual abuse destroys something. And when somebody doesn't believe us, it's devastating. When you might be told, just uh, forgive and forget. Nate, we can't do that. That's impossible. Why would we just forgive and forget? That perpetrator hasn't forgotten. Why would somebody else then tell us forgive and forget and move on? In other words, as a church, we don't want to be, we don't want to come close to somebody else's agony and sit with them in their pain. That's devastating. So if you resonate with what I'm saying, you can restore. <laughs> your identity is in Christ. And as you talk about your story and you give voice to that agony within, it's going to come out messy. You don't have to do it perfect. Mine wasn't. <laughs> We're a mess inside. Don't even worry about trying to put it together beautifully because it's not going to be beautiful. No surgery is beautiful. There's blood everywhere. We're a bloody mess inside. But the healer of broken hearts steps in. And somehow, Nate, he puts us together. And there is hope for every one of us. It's just... Will I embrace this pain and allow that pain to work grace in my heart? Can I hold still enough in this refining fire that God's going to stick us in? And he's looking for the gold in us. And Jesus truly is the gold. He's going to bind himself into the binding. He's the gold within us. And as we are stuck into the fire, just remember, he's there with us in the fire. Understanding what you've been through, that's thats a lot uh, to, to listen to and hear and, and, and put into the heart of someone who understands what you've been through as well. And I can't even imagine. Before, before I let you go, though, I do want to uh, let our listeners know where people can find uh, your book. And then also, what's the best place to, to purchase that? And then what is uh, a great place to find more about uh, uh, you if they want to find out more? Okay, I've got my website, which is at sherryrickenbach.com. S-H-A-R-I is how I spell Sherry. And you can also email me at sherryrickenbachcoaching at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, you can go on Amazon too, but if you would like to have a signed copy, you can you can write me in a note saying you would like a copy and I'll send you a link for that book and I, I'll send you a, a signed copy. 
That's just for the special listeners of Grace Story. That's all. <laughs> I don't do this for everybody. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll make sure we make that easy for the listener too. We'll put the those links in the okay. show notes. Uh, so if you're on your app, just go ahead and scroll down there. If you're on the the Facebook group or whatever it is, uh, you can just find those in the description. Click on that and go. Make sure you get your your signed copy of Echoing Silence from the Child Within by Sherry Rickenbach. Sherry, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing uh, parts of your story with us. Thank you for sharing a lot about your journey of restoration. Um, and thank you for sharing your skills with others as you know, an author, an advocate, uh, the coach, being a speaker, a trainer, um, and really taking what you've learned and in your experience and ministering from your point of pain. Um, I, we hear, I, I see you and I see what you're doing and I love it. And it resonates with the heart of Grace Story. Thank you so much for what you're doing uh, for those that are hurting and others that are just maybe one step behind on their journey of restoration as well. Oh, thank you, Nate. Because as an army of survivors, we can become thrivers. We don't have to just survive. God wants us to really and truly thrive and be who he created us to be. And that happens with transformation. This, journey, this is a journey. It's it's a process. And uh, our journeys are going to end in heaven. Yeah. We're on our road to heaven. And he's transforming us. And he's telling us, reach out now and touch somebody else. That's the whole, that's that. the whole beauty of it. We don't have to suffer alone anymore. Reach out to somebody else. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. And if you want to reach out, like uh, like Sherry has said, reach out to her. Uh, again, check the show notes for that. Uh, she has a heart uh, where she wants to help. Um, you can hear that in what she talks about and when she shares her story. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Um, I hope that you'll come back then. I like to say it every time. There is no us without you. You are what makes great stories so great. So we hope that you'll come back for that episode. Tune in, continue on your journey of restoration. And as you do that, we'll be praying for you. All right, we'll see you next time.